Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. gave a commencement speech at the University of Colorado, and then she gave out uh, uh, to all the graduates a copy of her book. <laughs> yeah, the book is called You Should Have Gone to Morehouse. <laughs> I get it. Mm. Oh, so you're not, you're, you're, you're a billionaire, but you're not going to pay off our every... Wow, thanks. Nice speech. Every kid who's in a, uh, out there in the crowd and some super rich celebrity speaks, they're going to think, okay, is this where they tell us they're, they're paying on, off my come loan? Come on, come on. Come on, say it. You're giving me a copy of your book. Come on. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Oprah, for your book. I heard your book didn't sell so good. (laughs) That's not as good. I know I'm getting it. (laughs) Wow. And and so, in summary, thank you. It's been a real honor. And you're thinking, what? What? You didn't pay off my loans. Boo! I crafted my life financially around the idea that the commencement speaker would pay off my debts. <laughs> well, I've been cheated. I've been cheated. I'm triggered. Oh, jeez. So, uh, we've been talking about China a lot lately. Trump's China. trade war, which is actually trade negotiation. I'm kind of obsessed with China now. I'm reading books. I'm listening to podcasts. Listen to a long lecture podcast from some guy from uh, University of Pennsylvania about the one-child policy yesterday and how that got going and how that worked and how it was implemented and how much demographic damage it's done. Mm. And they moved away from it to mm. the two-child policy to a few years ago, but you can't catch back up. It's just not the way it works. No. Actually, to that end, we received, uh, we asked for and received a handful of Really great correspondence from people who've spent extended time in China, some uh, living there still, perhaps. Uh, They've asked to remain anonymous because they live under a communist regime. Mm. Uh, But this is from uh, Duke, frequent correspondent Duke, who is a world traveler. Uh, Studied abroad at Chinese University of Hong Kong. My classes were focused on modern Chinese history. Uh, It was an amazing opportunity since Hong Kong is a special administrative region, technically independent, Although that seems to be less and less the case these days, which is absolutely true. Think back to a few years ago when a Hong Kong bookstore allowed an anti-communist author to speak, and then they were miraculously shut down a few days later. But I digress. Uh, My professors were originally from mainland China and were able to speak freely and answer questions about the Communist Party, Mao, Tiananmen Square, etc. The most interesting classes were those on the one-child policy. Technically, the Communist Party never told anyone to force or coerce women into abortions if they had more than one child. There were tax benefits. Uh, it seems reasonable, right? The problem with a large top-down system like China's is the lower party members were eager to move up, and in order to do so, must show progress. These were the monsters who would do anything to make sure the policy set from above was met. I was told horror stories of pregnant women living in the woods for months during winter trying to hide from the party officials so they could keep their babies. Wow. No, this is not a dystopian Cormac McCarthy model, uh, a novel. This is mid-century China. 
one of the many great examples of how a policy to do good can be morphed into horrendous outcomes. Yeah, that is interesting. So that's very similar to the Great Famine that happened. So Mao, Mao didn't order these various things to happen, but people at lower levels, they knew that to cr- climb the ranks, they had to show more production than the province next to them. Mm-hmm. And to do that, they'd work their uh, people to death or work the land to ruin to where it couldn't grow anymore. Right, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, right. similar similar situation. That's really interesting. Or move more people from the cities to the farms than could be accommodated or productive or whatever. Um, on Tuesday's show, you received a message from an angry texter. Writes, "Angnunimus." It's a Chineseized anonymous. Okay. Um, it's it's clever in print. Uh, <laughs> About uh, the angry text, are talking about how the experience of one teacher living in China was nothing like living in China Dream, the, the novel. You mostly address the texture on the show, noting the different parts of China obviously differ, uh, offer different experiences, but I thought I'd echo that sentiment. I spent time living both in the northern province of Unpronounceable and also spent some time in major cities like Shanghai and Beijing. Very different experiences, both in terms of civic infrastructure, uh, being competent on a basic level, and officials giving you a hard time. Interestingly, I found living in China with a mixed-race family, one of my parents is white, the other Chinese, exposes you to different levels of corruption at different levels. Beijing, for the most part, tries to be tourist-friendly and not leave people with a sour taste in their mouths, so the locals, will try, the locals will try to rip you off, but officials will not harass you. But regular shakedowns were much more common in the parts of the northern province where white folks were few, and my white family members have many stories of essentially getting uh, harassed or stonewalled when trying to do basic things, like applying for residence permits or even buying train tickets. Oh, yeah. That, that's one thing I get from this novel, China Dream, that I keep talking about is just the level of corruption, how that would wear you out. Yeah. Whether it's getting your kid into school or buying them clothes or getting everything you want to do. Right. you got to bribe somebody, and then does, they might hold you up. How does buying clothes fit into that? The, well, just like buying a train ticket. You, you know, just got to play nice with the rules, otherwise they just don't sell it to you? Right, yeah, they won't sell it to you. They'll say, we don't have your size. This is my size. Well, no, we can't sell you that one. Huh. It's a display one. These problems all seem to magically disappear the moment uh, my dad was willing to take out his wallet. Most of the particular- All these things, like Sean was talking about, all these things that we just take for granted. I mean, you can't, you, can't, uh, you can't discriminate against anybody anywhere in the United States and get away with it. Everybody discriminates against everybody until you hand them money. Right. Most of the particularly egregious stories come from the 80s and 90s when part of traveling around China, whether you're white or Chinese, included having a budget for bribes just to go anywhere. The impression I get now is that corruption seems to exist at the extremely high levels and the extremely low levels of government, but things are are definitely rotten from top to bottom. Uh, whenever I tell my stories uh, about China, I try to lead with the many, many positive stories I have of dealing with helpful locals, many of whom became good friends over the years, even more of whom were just willing to help a stranger in time of need with simple things like navigating a new and unfamiliar city. However, institutionally, the place is rotten, and my heart breaks all the more knowing how many good and decent people are living under the oppressive thumb of the Communist Party. Well, it's not going the right direction. Xi named himself, you know, uh, Emperor for Life, or whatever he's calling himself now. Sure. And they're, they're doing more monitoring of systems. They're doing less... Uh, ability to, uh, to to search the Internet, l- allowing less outside information in. Right. I was reading the other day about their crackdown they've got going on for the 30th anniversary of Tiananmen Square uh, uprising that's coming up this summer on how they're just not going to allow any information about that to be flowing through China. Wow. Wow. Consolidating their control. Lovely. 
Well, we have the free. Yes, it's my understanding that Winnie the Pooh has been scrubbed from Chinese internet because he uh, she, because he's panelist. <laughs> yes, and because she often gets uh, referred to or compared to Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> it kind of looks like. Him. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Really? So if you if you can't find if you Google search Winnie the Pooh in China, you get nothing. Well, there you go. More communist oppression. <laughs> we have the free market in this country, and you can become a 401k millionaire. Really? We'll talk to a financial advisor about that next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There's really only two ways to become a millionaire with a regular job. That's inherit it or win the lottery. What? So those are your two choices. You are not a nationally syndicated personal finance columnist. Suggest you work on this. When I saw this, you uh, become a 401k millionaire, I thought, here's what you do. You, but you got to be in your 20s. Is there anything you can do if you're not in your 20s? <laughs> well, wait now. Let's let's talk about this with Michelle Singletary, who is a nationally syndicated personal finance columnist. Has done uh, TV uh, on finance and, and and personal savings and that sort of thing, and uh, has an award winning column. Uh, appears a couple of times a week at Washington Post syndicated nationally. Hey, Michelle, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good, good, good. Hey, All listen. of my retirement plans are scratch off tickets. All right. <laughs> Seriously, we're big, big, big believers in 401k. Uh, You just, you have to do it. But uh, where do we begin? What's your advice? Well, you know, I think it surprises people that you can become a millionaire in your workplace plan. Um, And it's not as hard as you think. It takes time and consistency. And I heard you joking, you know, 30 years, but and that's true. Most most of them have been um, investing for the length of their career. But even if in your 30s or 40s, if you're working to your 60s and 70s, you still have plenty of time to reach that goal um, to be a millionaire in your 401k. I assume you uh, tell people, this is what I'm going to tell my kids, first opportunity you have to put money in a 401k, first job you have, do it. Absolutely. At the beginning of the, I mean, when I started at my job, my first newspaper job, I remember I covered this huge fire. And I called my grandmother, who I called Big Mama, and I was like, oh, man, you know, it's on the front page. And she says, mm-hmm, did you go upstairs and put money away for your, your retirement and savings? And I was like, are you kidding me, woman? I've got this big story on the front page. She, she hung the phone up on me. Oh, and boy, no. It was incredible. Awesome. She was said, do not call me back until you go up to HR and make sure you start putting away uh, money for yourself and I and I did that and every job I've always done that and that's really what it takes I've got a daughter who just graduated from college for our master's program and I already sent her a text I sit down and talk about what you're going to do in terms of retirement she's like what (laughs) I know and when when you're in your 20s it just seems like it's you know it's never going to happen and I don't have any money now so you think old people chose to be old you know (laughs) it's not going to happen to me (laughs) right but if most old people could go back and tell their younger posts Cells, they would say, hey, fool, don't, yeah. you know, stop going out so much and drinking with your friends and maybe take one less vacation. And First of all, don't wear that and... shirt. You look stupid. Yeah, Secondly, true, take the too. money from that stupid shirt and put it in your 401k. <laughs> right. It's true. It's true. And, I, you know, what I like about it when we looked at what uh, the, the traits of a 401k millionaire, it's 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 just really simple stuff. You know, put in them as much as you can, but at least put in enough to get the company match. You know, do it consistently, whether the market is up or down. That's the other thing. They didn't jump out when the market gets crazy. I mean, of course 2008, not. lots of people jumped out, and they lost the upswing of the markets. 
and then they invest in equities. You don't, if you're in your 20s and 30s, you're not going to put your money in bonds. Come on, baby. You need more growth, so don't be so conservative. Don't be scared. <laughs> right. Um, and so those were the traits, and you can do it. Well, and and I wish people would take the heart uh, advice from Warren Buffett that I did many, many years ago. It, you know, it's essentially uh, buy low, sell high, but... He said, "When people are getting, uh, when people are scared, I get greedy. When the market's terrible, that's when you invest as much as you can, because prices are low and it will grow. But listen, let's—I uh, don't want to spend all our time on you know young people and what they ought to do, because you know I care about that. But how about for somebody in their forties, maybe even fifties? Is it too late for them?" It's never too late. Now, lots of financial people will just scare people to death. Oh, you don't have $3 million. You're just going to die. You know, I mean, that's just insane. You know, listen, it may mean that you're going to have a different retirement than you hoped for, but it's never too late. You've got to make some different choices. So maybe you aren't going to buy some villa in Florida or travel all across the world on a cruise six months out of the year. You know, maybe you're going to have shared housing with other folks in your family. Maybe you've got a sister or a brother and you guys can have a house together. So I just say never think that it's too late. But as soon as you realize you don't have enough, you've got to buckle down, cut your expenses, do whatever you can to try to save and catch up. Well, catch up provisions in the, in the law. If you're 50 or over, you can put in an extra $6,000. So do those kinds of things. That's the one. That's the one. And, and Michelle, I don't want to gloss over that because I don't think a lot of people know that. When you hit 50, yeah. you can vastly increase what you put away pre-tax right, that's in, right. in your 401k. That's right. For 2019, you can put a maximum, if you're 15 over, you can put a maximum, if you have a, access to a 401k, of $25,000. Now, I know most people listen like, that woman is insane. But but get try to hit that mark as much as you can. You know, just push yourself, push yourself. You know, because it's going to come a time where you're going to need that money. Uh, and that may mean making some sacrifices now so that you have a secure retirement later. I like your every phrase has emphasized the spending part of it. So many yeah. people leave yeah. that out. The, the, the spending aspect of where your money goes. Michelle Singletary is online, syndicated columnist for the WAPO and many other papers. You know, And to that end, Michelle, my wife and I made a discovery. I don't know. You probably recommend stuff like this, but buying a car is exciting. Uh, you know, for me, buying a new guitar is exciting. Saving money is not exciting. So this may sound dumb to you. We actually have the thermometer with the different amounts of money on it, and, and it. we color it in with red. Uh, for our savings goal. And I love it. Yeah. I love it. I think that's what you do. That's and The key word you said was goal. Because people always ask, well, how do you do this? How do you say no to yourself? Because you have a goal. My husband and I had a goal to send all three of our children to college debt-free, which we have. And we did it in a 529 plan, which is sort of like a 401k for college. And so that nobody has any debt because that's what we did. We had a goal. So we could say no to them when they wanted all the things that their friends had because we knew that we wanted to send them to college debt-free. They didn't know, so, of course, they fussed and yelled. And that's why we put an uh, extra lock on our bedroom door so they don't smother us in our sleep because we want to give them the stuff. <laughs> so, but we're okay. We can take the lock off now because now they're graduating. You know, that's hilarious. And so, but the point is that to always have a reason why you're doing this, and that will help you say no to things. And, you know, for the college, for example, for each kid, we say 250 a month for like 20 years. 250 you spend that going to McDonald's three times a month, you know. I mean, and it, it, it's doable for many people. Not all, but many people. It's, it's, you can do it, but you've got to say no God, to I wish I wish you were in everybody's ear all the time just because, <laughs> so you know, she, it helped her career. <laughs> oftentimes, uh, government policy gets... Uh, 
uh, put in place to ca- take care of people who didn't do these things as right. if it's my fault that they're now broke because they, you know, t- took nice vacations every year their whole life. My yeah. son, by the way, speaking to your kids and not getting them stuff, my son said to me the other day, I'm the only kid in my class who hasn't been to Hawaii, which I don't <laughs> think is true. And even if it were, it doesn't make any difference to me. Wow. Yeah, Trying to work up a tear, son. Trying. Put some Hawaiian music on and dance in front of them. You know, now you're in Hawaii. We'll get some salted pork, boy. We'll have a theme party. Michelle Singletary is a three has written three personal finance books, including her latest, The Twenty One Day Financial Fast: Your Path to Financial Peace and Freedom. Michelle, you're absolutely delightful. Great to talk to you. I hope we can do it again. Oh, I'd love to, love to. All right, thanks a million. How flippin' fantastic is she? Oh, love her. Love her. Her <laughs> grandmother's my hero. She is great. Hangs up on her. Don't you call me again until you go start saving. God, That's I just beautiful. liked her regular emphasis on the not spending end of it. Yeah. Well, listen, you've got – your strategy is – and this, this is why we did the silly thermometer thing. I look at that thermometer, and I see it going up, and I now – All of my spending choices I weigh against, or we could make that thermometer go up a little more. And that's our big goal. That's our, you know, that's the kahuna. And it just, it it becomes a different sort of self-indulgence. And so it's not self-indulgence versus discipline or happiness, happiness is a bad term, like excitement versus cool discipline. No, it's one excitement versus another excitement, and it's easier to do. Speaking of discipline, have you had one of those donuts out there? I wish you wouldn't bring that up. They're uh, fantastic. No, I haven't yet. <laughs> Michael, shoot. What's coming up in your I news? I swear you are a spawn of Satan. Democrats beating the drums of impeachment. Nancy Pelosi, not mincing words. We got an update on Iranian threats. And what is in your wallet that's germier than a train station urinal? Oh, what? Oh, my God. Next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey folks, you've probably been hearing a lot about new window replacement, and let me tell you, Northwest Exteriors has the best windows money can buy. Hi, Tom Orr here, owner of Northwest Exteriors, and if you're in the market for new windows, let us come out and explain to you why our American-made and the windows are the absolute very best. The best in security, the best in energy... We're all fighting the urge to eat a donut out there. Somebody brought in a box of donuts. Michael, you've caved already. Yep. Is it just the glazed kind? No, there was chocolate ones in there, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. I like a plain glazed donut. That's oh, my favorite. Old Simple Jack. Huh? Yeah, that's my favorite. Do you eat a donut, Hanson? No, I've stayed away, and I'm not quite sure why. I'll probably go out and have three or four here in the next 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah, great. Hey, listen, well, uh, between uh, mouthfuls, uh, you got to remind me to plug the uh, email address more. I never do, and it's uh, it's my fault. I blame me. It's a real shortcoming. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. You have an opinion you want to share, or you have an experience of something we've been talking about, or there's something we ought to be talking about, you want to send it along. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. News now with Marshall Phillips. Well, the closed-door meeting is over. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi calling an emergency meeting with her Democratic caucus to deal with increasing calls from fellow Dems to impeach President Trump. Coming out of the meeting, Pelosi saying... Well, I'll be damned. Uh, it was a very positive meeting, a, a respectful sharing of ideas, and a, a, I think a very impressive presentation by our chairs. Uh, would you believe that it's important for the, the, to follow the facts? 
Uh, we believe that no one is above the law, including the President of the United States, and we believe that the President of the United States is engaged in a cover-up. In a cover-up. But she didn't, uh, she didn't, she obviously didn't say they're moving forward with impeachment or anything, but she didn't say no way either. Right, gonna let the facts lead them. Right? Of course, she's gotta keep, she's, she's gotta keep a certain segment of her, her crowd thinking, oh, maybe, uh, she might be on our side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I gotta believe she thinks it's a terrible idea. Yeah, so far she's been very cool, as you were saying, on impeachment. She says she prefers aggressive investigations and oversight of Trump and his administration. Well, and her peeps from the Solidly blue districts who couldn't lose if they tried. They're just saying, look, don't make me look like an idiot. I've been saying we'll impeach the guy. At least make it look like I have a say. Mm, don't that's don't a good you one shut too. me down. Meanwhile, along those lines, ABC News is reporting that most Americans remain pretty tepid to any talk about impeachment at this point. And tepid is the way they phrased it. Do you think Nadler wants impeachment? Or if, if, if Nancy said go at some point, would he say, whoa, he'd be the dog that caught the car? I mean, would he be a wave second now? Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I don't think Nadler's an idiot. He's a liar and a phony. Uh, I, I think he's probably part of that cabal that really wants to do impeachment light. Constant hearings yeah. with serious-faced lawyers in suits. Full panels of angry-looking people. Lots of empty chairs and and howling about obstructing justice. Right, yeah. Top administration officials met with members of Congress on Capitol Hill with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Acting Defense Secretary Patrick Shanahan telling the lawmakers in closed-door briefings that they have been acting to deter Iran, Shanahan saying. That intelligence was borne out in attacks, and I would say it's also deterred Attacks. We have deterred attacks based on our reposturing of assets, deterred attacks against American forces. Now, Shanahan telling reporters after the uh, debriefing or the briefing that they now want to prevent further escalation, saying, We do not want the situation to escalate. This is about deterrence, not about war. And then today, Iran seems to be toning down the rhetoric with a member of parliament being quoted as saying that the country will, quote, under no circumstances engage in a war with the United States. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that uh, a number of people came out of that yesterday saying, uh, we've deterred some attacks. Right. You know, which is either true or it's not, but I can picture, you know, one of the factions within the Iranian government deciding to do something out there. Nasty. Right. And us and Israel, whomever, getting wind of it and going to Iran, you know, making the moves we moved, uh, we made right. with the aircraft carriers and, and everything else. And just sending the message, we know and you're not going to do that. And that working. I mean, that's absolutely a possibility. Now, there was that behind doors uh, briefing, behind closed doors briefing, and the Democrats all came out howling that it was... It was warlike and ill-advised and stupid and all, and Republicans came out to senators and said that was really interesting. I just, you know, is there anything, anything that could occur or be discussed that people would say uh, would, in effect, reach across party lines? I mean, if, if they, if Republicans and Democrats in the Senate, somehow some poor woman you know, her, her water breaks. She gives birth on the Senate floor. It, it, the baby's life is saved by a courageous doctor. Could you get both parties to say that was great? I'm glad the kid's okay. Probably not. 
You'd get one of the parties saying it's an improper use of the Senate. It's just, it's so tiring. This modern era, it's wearing me out. What was that number we learned yesterday, Jack, about... Uh, 72. 72, that was it. Tell you what, says it all. No, the, the percentage of <laughs> votes that were along party lines. Oh, right, yeah. It was 60%? Yeah, I think it was. In, what was the year? In the 70s. Yeah, it was 60% of the time you'd vote with your party. Is, right. You know, a good solid majority of the time, but only 60%. Now it's 95? Almost always. Yeah. Come on. So what's in your wallet? Credit and debit cards, it turns out, have more germs than a train station urinal, no, according to the latest analysis. Test carried out by... Where are you swiping them? How does that happen? Seriously, that's where I've got my little square reader. Back there. <laughs> a test conducted by Financial Services Marketplace, Lend-Edu, tested the cards, cash, and a variety of other items, and they found the cards... Tended to be dirtier than cash and a urinal, but not as dirty as a New York City park bench. <laughs> the group now recommends using hand sanitizer whenever you deal with your credit or debit card. So that yeah. I can avoid germs. Because I'm currently... <laughs> to, uh, make sure you uh, will right. be fine. We'll all be fine. <laughs> hey, one last story. If you're a bubble boy, yeah. follow that advice. Right? <laughs> Those of us among the non-bubbled population are going to be fine. Those of us with immune systems. Right. One last story. Three wills. Handwritten by Aretha Franklin have been found at her suburban Detroit home. What three of them? Yeah, three okay. of them have turned up now. I'm giving you nothing because you gave me no R-E-S-B-U-C-D. <laughs> One of them, dated March 2014, was written inside a spiral notebook and hidden under cushions in her living room. In it, in this one, the 2014, she leaves certain homes to her sons, her jewelry and furs to her granddaughters. Yes, the furs. Her gowns are to be auctioned off or sent to the Smithsonian. I never think about who I'm going to leave my furs to. (laughs) All of the wills have been shown to Franklin's four sons, and two of the sons are objecting. Franklin, the worst. That's the worst thing that can happen to any family is be wealthy, and then you all fight over the, the, the leavings when somebody dies. God, I've seen this happen to a bunch of families that I've known. People that were friends their whole lives right. who don't speak to each other anymore. I can name several that I know like that. Yikes. Horrible. There's a hearing set for June 12th. At the time that Aretha Franklin died last August, all the family reported, well, there was no will. We couldn't find a will anywhere. And now three of them have popped up. Well, that's plenty. <laughs> there you go. That's your news. And, of course, the one that's written and hidden under the couch cushion, you claim she wasn't in her right state of mind when she wrote that one, so that doesn't count. And then the brother argues about it. Or he argues that that was not her handwriting, and an expert says it is, then your expert says it's not. Right. And who witnessed the will, or oh. did anyone witness the will? That's oh. your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Probably not the best idea to stick your wills under the couch cushions. I wasn't done with it, and then she expired and hadn't finished it. Could be. That's where she keeps her rough drafts, under the couch cushions? What? We do have an update on China banning Winnie the Pooh because uh, President Xi... Xi his unnatural relationship with that pig? Because President Xi looks like Winnie the Pooh, so they've banned it. I have an update on that. It's a mixed marriage. It's a barren pig. They're actually just friends, right? I, yes. I, I'm thinking of... Uh, yes, they're I'm, just I'm friends. I'm sorry. I was thinking of yeah. uh, Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. No, they're a Which couple. Which is an amphibian and a pig. They're, I mean, they're clearly how does that even work? 
You know? And she's a bit abusive. Very, a yeah. bit. Very much so. <laughs> well, she outweighs him by like 500 times and is physically abusive. And has it's a, not funny. And has it's a, actually very funny. <laughs> you know, you're sending mixed messages. <laughs> yes, yes. You can pretend it's not funny. It's funny. <laughs> He's got a girlfriend who's a hog with a hot temper. And a knows, hot temper dog. And knows karate. Right. Yeah, well, she's got some professional training. <laughs> marginally. Yeah, What's I'm not, not funny about that? Armstrong and Getty. I don't know. I don't... I don't want to put out an album. I, really? I really don't. I'm sure that at some point the my record companies people are going to pressure me into it. But as of now, I'm not putting out an album this year. I, I know that. I, I mean, I'll be just as happy to release just another single. And, 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 you have and more in the canon? I do. I do. And I've got other stuff that I'm pumped about. But when I think about an album right now, I'm just like... I don't even know do people care about them anymore. No, no they don't. I, no, no, I they don't know. But I'm having a blast just releasing singles. Maybe I'll do that from now on. There you go. That's Blake Shelton, one of the biggest selling artists in all of them, the world, because country music is so huge. Saying he's not doing albums anymore. And John Mayer released a song the other day. So that new God's Country from Blake Shelton, which is like the biggest song in all of country music, is just a song. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And so, and similar with John Mayer's song, that's gotten huge. Um, uh, attention among guitar fanatics, just a song. That mm-hmm. is clearly the... F- do do people want an album? No. I have no need for an album whatsoever. You just came up with a song idea and crafted it over the weekend? Give it to me. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because there are a lot of albums that are great, cohesive works of art. But, you know, freaks like me might want them, but the, the, our numbers are small. You want to hear something really... I know we were going to do something interesting, but I have a lot of really inform- interesting information on this. It's up to you. We can hold on to it. This is fine. Okay. Sales from individual song downloads have been falling. Not I surprisingly. haven't purchased a song in so many years. I don't even know how to do it. Thanks to the streaming options like Spotify and Apple Music. Listen to this, though. A new report makes it clear just how few people there are these days who will buy individual digital songs. There are so few of them, in fact, that in 2018, individual sound song downloads were outnumbered by people who went old school and bought actual compact discs and vinyl records. It doesn't surprise me. Well, you uh, talk about things coming and going. Well, you have to spend for most of these services fourteen bucks, something like that, and you got every that, that sounds high. Every yeah, high, every man. song in the middle. every song in the world is available to you anytime you want. I can't even imagine why I would consider buying a song. Total total. I've got donut residue. I fell. I fell. Oh, you ate a donut. I ate. You well, ate a donut. I've eaten part of a donut. I'm nibbling on it. Not eating it like some hungry wolf like you. <laughs> I devoured mine in the commercial break. Like a hungry wolf, like him. According to the Recording Industry Association of America, total download sales in 2018, for which iTunes led the pack, dropped almost 30% in a year. Are those people... To who... a little more than a billion dollars. Hmm. Purchases of full album downloads likewise fell by 25%, but they don't have a total for that. Um, I'll tell you, when Blake Shelton, the biggest thing in all of country music, which is the biggest thing in all music, when he just releases a song and it does this well and he says, I'm not doing albums anymore, I think that means the the days of the album are going away. Yeah, for, for commercial stuff. Right. Well, there will always be a market for it. See, this, it reminds me if you're discussing food. Are you talking about mass food, you know, the billions of dollars, fast food and convenience food and stuff like that? Uh, you know, somebody who's really, really into food doesn't care. But... 
in terms of the masses and the industry that is music, oh, it's unquestionable. It's roaring in that direction. You know what's crazy? John Mayer, his thing was it was about attention span. Blake Shelton, his thing is I think it just, you know, just whenever I come up with a song, I'll put it out. I don't. Why would I go in there and wait till I have eight songs? Right. John Mayer just said with intention span, he said if my best, if my favorite artist put out an album now, I'm not going to get around to the whole thing for a week. Yeah. If they put out a song, I'll check it out. And that's the way I am, too. I just, I don't know why. There's so many competing entertainment things. Boy, somebody puts out a 12-song album. I can't imagine how long it's going to take me to get to that. But one song, sure, I'm there. Yeah, Check it out on the drive home. The current thing I've seen uh, repeated by some new artists uh, is they'll put out just singles, and then when they get to seven or eight, then they just compile those and they release those singles as an album. And I'll call the album uh, Sunset of the Damned. Here, here you go. It's eight songs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <but laughs> so they just release it as they go. You know, this is another one of those. It's like if Rand Paul had been second to uh, Donald Trump. The winner was obvious, but the second place would have been shocking. So it's streaming. Then, last year, physical media. CDs and vinyl were down 23%, but marked $1.15 billion, thus edging out digital downloads. Um, music fans bought almost $420 million worth of vinyl in 2018, um, which is almost as much as people spent buying album downloads from iTunes last year. Okay, so there's almost as much vinyl sold as album downloads. Uh, oh, what I started to say before was, okay, so in, in the blink of an eye, downloads have, have gone the way of the dodo, or, or certainly appear to be. And they're still significant, but in favor of streaming. Hmm. What's next? Is streaming permanent? Well, what would replace that? Well, nothing could be better than I that. I couldn't have told you that the albums were going away, so I'm the wrong guy to ask. I understand, <laughs> but I can't imagine anything better than I've got access to all the music in the world whenever I want it. Just because I think of it, and seconds later it's playing. That's pretty good. I'll grant Chip in the brain, maybe. Chip in the brain. You don't have to do anything. You just think of a song. Oh, what was that song? Afternoon Delight, Starland Vocal Man. And then it's just playing in your in, in your cerebral cortex. Nobody even hears it around you. Wow, that's interesting. What an interesting. For twelve ninety nine a month from Apple. So a guy like you, if you could, oh, Michael's not here. Uh, but uh, but this uh, this song God's Country that's so huge by Blake Shelton on Country Radio. They play it like every forty five minutes now. But so he just thought of a song, got together with his his buddies. Recorded it and put it out, and right. it's a giant hit. No need to wait for months and then do the whole promotional tour and do all the crap. Right. Just put it out. Wait till you finish the last song on the album before you put out the first one, yeah. Yeah, which is what I'm in the middle of. But that's because I have a day job, and I want to get it done. Um, wow. Okay. There you go. Change. Change. <laughs> <laughs> Things change. Um, yeah. So what was I going to talk about? Oh, oh this is kind of interesting. So um, they keep track of uh, CEO turnover among the world's 2,500 largest public companies. Okay. Biggest 2,500 companies in the world. Good sampling. For the first time since they've been keeping track of this, more CEOs left their company for ethical reasons than for financial performance. Oh, wow. In the past, it's been... Like harassments and stuff. You know, you didn't meet the quarterly whatever expectations. Or All right. You would think... You would wow more for the like ethical stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. Thirty nine percent of the eighty nine CEOs who departed in twenty eighteen left for reasons related to unethical behavior stemming for allegations of sexual misconduct or ethical lapses connecting to things like fraud, bribery, and insider trading. Huh. Whereas thirty five percent were for poor financial reasons. 
I don't, I don't know if this is a blip because, uh, you know, we're going to go back to not paying attention to uh, harassment allegations. They'll or come and go like downloads. I, I wonder. I, don't, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that broken down even further. You know, what percentage of it is hashtag me too stuff? And what's like VW and Audi faking up their emissions <laughs> data? Which is clever as hell. I'll grant you that. But really despicable. But so now... Software that only kicks in when they're testing. Brilliant. Hitting on the secretary is more likely to take you down than uh, not meeting the quarterly earnings. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it thinks that it was acceptable in the past. but I wonder. I, I, CEOs are disproportionately old school, probably. Yeah, I think it was always happening. It's not like it just started happening in 2018, right? Which yeah. Our awareness changed. I watch Mad Men. Looks like everybody's enjoying themselves. You know... Everybody's having a good time. The harassment, the affairs, the clearing off the desk after hours. It's, it's good times. The women are all laughing. They're wearing high heels and lipstick. And, and they seem to be Tight sweaters as well. <laughs> Very comfortable to tight sweater. What was, oh, I was going to get more into China's banning Winnie the Pooh. Oh, we probably ought to talk about that. And if you're gifted to receive the next hour of the show, the states of the United States, perhaps you've heard of it, uh, has, have been ranked. Oh, cool. Yeah, the definitive ranking of states. How did your state fare? It's time to, time we nail that down. Sure. Um, I can probably tell you everything you need to know. Winnie the Pooh has been censored in Chinese social media since 2013. It's now all images have been banned in the entire country because of people making fun of President Xi and claiming he looks like Winnie the Pooh, all stemming from this picture of him walking with Barack Obama several years back. He does look like Pooh! In which they, everybody said he looked like Winnie the Pooh walking next to Tigger. Now Obama looks like Tigger. A country that bans Winnie the Pooh cannot take over the world, can they? Nope. <laughs> I, just, no. I just don't see how that can happen. And we must stand against them. You're scared of a cartoon bear. You have to ban it. You're not comfortable enough in your own skin to... Because they're making fun of the president. Oh, bother. Cowards afraid of a stuffed bear. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.